Good evening. If you please take your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 John, chapter 5. Continuing on in 1 John, in the final chapter of the book, we're in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 this evening. First John chapter 5, 14 and 15. The title of this evening's sermon is Our God Answers Prayers. So 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. This is God's word. This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. And they will re- they'll end the reading of God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we thank you that we can approach you in prayer. And that as this passage teaches us that you hear us and that you grant our requests, Lord, we are often distracted in prayer, often discouraged in prayer, discouraged from praying. Lord, I pray that we would be encouraged to pray this evening, that this passage would be a great encouragement to us to be praying people day and night. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was in high school, I had a chemistry teacher um, well, he, he, had a, he had a saying that he's going to teach us Bible, and if we learn some chemistry along the way, that'll be okay. And the reason he said that is that every class he would spend five or ten minutes before we started uh, teaching us from Scripture. Uh, that had a huge impact on me. Um, he started doing that actually prior to me being a true Christian. Uh, but one thing that he said that still sticks with me today as he said, need to pray when you feel like it, pray when you don't feel like it, and pray until you feel like it. I thought, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, I think a lot of times we're in the zone of not feeling like it. Um, I, think, I think prayer can be a big struggle for many of us as Christians. Um, it's been said that our flesh, our, our sinful nature, uh, hate, hates prayer uh, more than any other uh, spiritual activity, even more than reading scripture. Because uh, at least with scripture, our flesh can use that to build, puff us up and make us prideful. But with prayer, it's just utter and total dependence upon the Lord. So being encouraged to pray is something that we really need. I think we need it badly. And that's what we have here uh, in this text, is a great, great encouragement from the Apostle John here to pray and an encouragement about God's attitude toward us when we pray. So with that in mind, I just want to jump into these two verses uh, this evening. So I just want to read uh, them again real quick, and then we'll, we'll dive in. So this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. 
Now, the first thing I want to dive into here and focus on is that word confidence. We have confidence before him. That, that word confidence means boldness. It means outspokenness. It means freedom of speech. It means when it comes to praying to God, we don't have to beat around the bush with our requests. We don't have to, to find a way to, to work them into the conversation. We don't have to have that awkward situation where you're trying to ask someone for a favor who you know has no interest in granting you a favor, but you just have to ask him anyway. It's not like that at all. You don't have to have uh, fear and nervousness in your heart that he might be in a bad mood, that he might not be favorable toward you. You don't have to be worried that he won't care about what you're asking him. You can have confidence, boldness, outspokenness, that sort of uh, comfort to speak to him plainly and openly for what we want. And the reason we have this confidence is because we know that God is our father, because that's our relationship to him. He is our father, our father who loves us, who wants us, who is proud to have us as his children, loves us more than any great human father has ever loved his children, has ever even come close to loving his children. I know that you parents in here love your children. I know that. I know that you have thought and perhaps have even said, I will do anything for my kids. I will give anything. I will die for them. Okay, take your love, multiply it by infinity, and you're starting to get to the, to the understanding of God's love for you as his child. We have confidence before him because he is our father who loves us. So, so of course he hears us, John says. He hears us. He hears us when we pray. And of course he'll grant our requests because of what John's been saying this whole book. He loves his children. He loves them. He wants you to know that you have eternal life in him, that you are forgiven, that you are loved by him if you're a Christian. So we know he hears us, we know he'll grant our requests, but yet we also know that God doesn't say yes to everything that we ask him for, does he? We know that. But you know, sometimes when you read through scripture, it kind of sounds like that, doesn't it? That God will just give you whatever you ask him for. But you know that's not the case. You know that he will not always give you everything you ask for, but some verses make it sound like that. How do we understand verses like this? Mark eleven twenty four. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Or what he said in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone or if he asks for a fish he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Well, that sounds like God will give you whatever you ask for. But we know that's not the case. So how do we understand this? Well, the key is, as we understand all the scripture, is really found here in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Very important phrase in these verses. Listen, this is the confidence which we have before him if we ask anything according to his will. 
And that phrase makes all the difference in the world. Anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, again, in accordance with his will, we know we have the requests which we ask from him. So according to his will is the key here. God will give us everything we ask for that's according to his will. That's according to his will. It always depends on God's will because he's in charge and because he knows what's best. So there's three things we need to consider here about things that are according to God's will when it comes to praying. We're going to pray for things that are according to God's will. We can expect that he will grant those requests. The first thing we need to consider, of course, is that we should never ask for anything that we know is against God's will. This might be pretty obvious, but you should never ask for anything sinful in prayer. You should not ask for the opportunity to steal, for example. You should not ask God to help you sin. You should not pray for, for sinful ends, like for the success of, of something evil or an evil business or something like that. You should not pray for the success of evil things. Now, that's pretty obvious. You don't pray against anything that's against the will of God, of course. Secondly, we, ask, we may ask for things that are good and righteous to ask for, but yet God has not revealed how he will answer that specific request. There's lots of prayers like that that fall into that category. We're asking for something that's, that's good to ask for, but God hasn't promised how he'll answer that for you either way. For example, you may have somebody who's sick and you're praying that they will not die from that sickness. Well, God hasn't said either way for that specific person what he'll do. He hasn't said that, but it's still a good thing to pray for. You may pray for someone's salvation. Same, th- same, th- same thing. God may not save that particular individual. You don't know either way. You may pray for the opportunity to, to move a certain place, or you may pray for, for children or for more children. You may pay, uh, pray to get married. And those are all good things to pray for. Nevertheless, it may not be God's will for a particular person you prayed for to be healed or to be saved. Or it may not be his will that you move to a certain city or have a certain number of children or get married. Good things to pray for, but God hasn't said either way what he'll do in your life. You don't know the, the will of God in those areas. He has not promised in the Bible that all Christians will be married, for example. He has not promised that if we pray for riches, that he'll necessarily give them to us. God's not a genie that grants our every wish. But in reality, as Joel Beakey said, God's in fact much better than a genie. We don't always know what God will answer um, when we ask for these types of things. We, 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 know, we don't know he'll always answer with a yes, but we do know that God will always answer our prayers for our good. And that's the big difference between God and a genie. A genie may grant your every wish regardless of its goodness for you, but God only gives you what is good for you because he works all things according to the counsel of his own will and for good, all things together for good, as Romans eight twenty eight says. All things together uh, work for good to those who love God. So if God answers our prayer with a no, then we can rest assured that that no is for our good. That's the will of God, and that's a good thing for him to refuse us. Even if it's a good thing that we're asking for, it's better in his whole plan for you that you not receive that, at least 
at that time. For things that God has not promised to answer in a certain way, we have to remember that God always answers our prayers according to his will, and his will for us is always for our good. So as long as the prayer is not for something that is sinful, we ought to keep on praying for it. You may keep on praying for a spouse or keep on praying for that sick friend or the person's salvation. You don't know how it will end up, but God wants you to pray for those things. And as we'll see later on, he wants you to keep on praying for those kinds of things. But we don't know what the will of God is in his plan for those things because he hasn't told us. We'll just have to wait and see. Now, the third thing we, we need to consider about things according to his will are things that God has told us to pray for where he has promised a certain response for them. He's revealed to us what his will is on certain, on certain requests that we make. There are certain things that God has promised to give when we ask for them so that we know that those things are according to his will and we can expect that he will give them to us because, of course, he has said so. For example, Jesus taught us, of course, in the Lord's Prayer, major categories that he wants us to pray for. We have there in, in Matthew 6, right? Pray then in this way. This is how he says to pray. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So we know that these things that we are told to ask for are, are the will of God because God himself taught us to pray for these things. It is the will of God that his name be hallowed, that he is honored and glorified. It is his will that his kingdom advance. He will do that. It's his will that his will, his commandments, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's something we should pray for, that he will fulfill. It is, it is God's will that he provide us our daily bread, that we be not anxious for those things. It is his will that he will always forgive us of our sins. It is his will that, that we be delivered from Satan's temptations and have that way of escape when we're tempted. God will do these things when we ask, of course, in his own timing and in his own way. But he, has, he will do those things. It is the will of God. He knows the best way to glorify his name. So even if it seems like he's not showing off his glory, he is. So we will see that. So those major categories are things that God has said, I want you to pray for those things. Those are things I am doing in the world. Another thing we're told is the will of God is our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. Right, so praying for our sanctification, that is something that God will answer that prayer. He will never stop sanctifying his people and say, you know what, nope, I'm not going to sanctify you. That is his will that you be sanctified. We're specifically told that it's his will. We ought to pray that he would sanctify us. It is his will to do that. He will always answer that prayer with a yes in his own timing and in his own way. He will answer that. We're also told specifically to pray for wisdom and that God will give it to us when we ask. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. So he specifically tells us, pray for this, God will give it to you. It is his will to give you wisdom when you ask for it. He wants us to recognize our dependence on him for wisdom. And he says God is more than willing to give it to you. He's gen he'll give generously and without reproach. He won't say, what's wrong with you? He just, he's gladly 
to give it. He wants us to recognize that since we're naturally fools, we need to ask him for wisdom, and he will make us wiser and wiser. Of course, that also is part of the process of sanctification, as we just saw a second ago. Another thing that's the will of God is, is comforting us during, uh, when we have anxieties and worries. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, he says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In 1 Peter 5, 7, he says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So those are things we should be praying for and that he will uh, comfort us in. God promises that if you put your cares and worries on him, he will comfort you. He'll give you peace. The peace of, of Christ will, peace of God will guard your hearts. He may not take away the source of your anxiety, but he can take away the weight of your anxiety. You know, Peter says to take your anxieties and cast them on him. That's good. Cast them on God. I like the way that Alistair Begg illustrated this. He says, like, you know when on Wednesday morning the, the garbage guys come and your trash can's there at the end of your driveway and they just take that thing and they sling it and they sling that stuff into the back of the truck, they just chuck it in there? Saying that's what you need to do with your anxieties. Just chuck them on to God. Chuck them on to him because he cares for you. He wants you to do it. You don't have shoulders broad enough to carry your own burdens. He says, let, them, let me carry them for you. They're no trouble to him. So, so these are things, for example, that God has specifically told us to pray for, and he has specifically told us uh, that he will uh, grant them to us when we ask. Like John says here in John, 1 John 5, 15, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. That is, of course, if they're according to the will of God, and these things we know are according to the will of God. And we shouldn't doubt that God will grant the things that he has told us are his will because they're his will, after all. He will grant those things. As good, these things are as good as ours because they're staked on the character of God. He says, I will do this. You say, God, please do the thing you said you'll do. And he says, of course. Of course I will. He will grant them. So thinking about that, yet even that claim that God grants us the requests that we make that we know are his will, that still brings doubts and objections into your mind, doesn't it? Say, so does God really always grant the requests that, that I know are the will of God because he said in the Bible, does he really always grant those when I ask for them? You might be like me, who has prayed for wisdom. Like James says, pray for wisdom, God will give you generously. And I say, hey God, I've been asking for wisdom and I'm still a fool. So what gives? Where's that wisdom you said you wanted to give me? Right? So that objection we need to answer and that brings us to our next very, very important point on prayer that Scripture teaches us, which is that God grants our requests in his own way and on his own timetable. God, or John there in God makes a pretty bold statement there in verse 15, as we noted a minute ago. We know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Present tense, we have the requests that we asked from him. Like I said, immediately these objections come to mind. When I pray for something that I know is God's will, I usually don't get it right away. When I pray for wisdom, like I said, I didn't become, boom, instantly wiser. Or for sanctification, now I've overcome my, my sins. I don't always immediately, instantaneously have peace every time I pray 
about my anxieties or cast them on the Lord. So what does that mean then that we have, present tense, the requests that we ask of him? It means that when we're asking something according to the will of God, God immediately answers that with a yes. Anytime we pray anything according to his will, he immediately says yes to that. But it doesn't mean that God fulfills that request immediately. He fulfills it on his own timetable. He fulfills the request nonetheless, uh, not, not necessarily instantaneously, but he will fulfill them in his own time. Here's an illustration. Imagine there's some poor peasant in some kingdom, and he, he greatly desires his own land that he can work, that he can grow food on. But he just simply doesn't have the money to buy it. There's this land that he has his eye on, and that particular plot of land is owned by the king. This peasant knows, well, the king is kind, the king is generous. I'm just going to go out, I'm just going to ask him, king, would, would you please, would you give me, would you give me that land that I may work it and, and grow food on it? And the king, being kind and generous as he is, says yes to that request. Can I have the land? He says yes. So that request was granted immediately. However, the land is not in the possession of that peasant the minute the word yes comes off the king's lip, lips. The, the paperwork is drawn up and everything is officially done over time or later, later on. It's kind of like that way with God. When John says we have those requests, we know God has already said, yes, I will do that. But he's not necessarily doing it instantaneously. He's doing it on his own timetable. He will, for, will fulfill that request that is according to his will, but not necessarily right away. So Jesus really wants us to understand that God fulfills our prayers in his own time and in his own way so that we don't think that God is refusing us simply because the fulfillment takes longer than we think it might should. So Jesus told us a couple of parables uh, relating to this issue. You, you know these, I'm sure. The parable first of the persistent widow. Remember this from Luke 18? He says, Now he was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, here's the parable, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him, saying, give me legal protection from my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterward he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or respect man, yet because the widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night? And will he delay long over them? I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Now, when we, th when we know this parable, I think, but, but something I, I find very important to point out about this parable is that it doesn't teach that God likes to take a long time to answer our prayers. And sometimes I think, at least I've thought that, when I think about that parable, it's teaching us God likes to take a long time. The fact is it says the exact opposite in the parable. He says, hear what the unrighteous judge says, now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry out to him day and night, and will he delay long over them? We would say, yeah, he does. You know, he says, no. I tell you, he will bring about justice for them quickly. So 
So the parable is not about waiting a long time for prayers to be answered. That's actually not the point of the parable. Jesus actually tells us what the point of the parable is. He was telling them a parable to show them that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. So the parable is about persistence. It's about not giving up. It's about obstinate, stubborn praying and not losing heart. It's not about praying once and then waiting years or months or whatever. It's about praying day and night, like it says, praying day and night over and over and over again. It's about praying to God with passionate hearts and that will not stop until God moves. See, God is glorified by his people showing how dependent they are on him. That's, that's the point. Their, our dependence should be shown. This widow didn't care that this unrighteous judge was pushing her off. She needed him so she wouldn't stop. And God says, I'm not an unrighteous judge. I love you. Keep on knocking at my door. See, I think God may often delay fulfilling our prayers because we haven't been dependent upon him. We ask once or twice and give up. We need to be knocking at his door day and night. He says, I will, I will give you justice quickly. Just keep on doing it. Be persistent. He likes that. It shows them that you know who's in charge of, his, of your life. It's him. Now, speaking of knocking at God's door, uh, Jesus gave us another parable to the same effect. I love this one. This one's kind of funny, too. Luke 11. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. So then Jesus gives us a, an abbreviated Lord's Prayer. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And then he gives the parable. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So you get the scenario. You're, you go to your best friend's house at midnight and say, hey, man, I need some food. And the guy says, get out of here, man. What are you doing? You're being so obnoxious right now. It says, it says because he's his friend, he won't do it. <laughs> Because if it's your neighbor, you might have the, the social pressure to be nice to him, but it's your best buddy. You say, get out of here, man. What are you doing? But the guy just won't give up. He's so persistent. So then Jesus says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then he gives the illustration of a father uh, giving good things to his children when they ask for them. They ask for a fish, he doesn't give them a stone, etc. So there are three things we need to get from this little passage there in, in Luke that Jesus teaches us. First, he gives us the Lord's Prayer, so we've seen that already, things that we should pray for. And then secondly, the key point we're focusing on now, he tells us again to be persistent in prayer, like an obnoxious friend who will just will not let you get to sleep until you give him some bread. He's not going to wait until morning. He's not going to be decent about it. He's going to be downright obnoxious about it, socially inappropriate. He's going to pound at your door all night long until you get the bread that he needs. And God's saying here, 
I need you to be my obnoxious friend. I need you to be pounding at my door at all hours. That's what I want from you. Shout to me at midnight about your worries and cares. And then the third thing we get from this passage there in Luke is that God really loves us and wants to give us good things. Because he's not a good father, he's the good father. Any decent earthly father gives his children good things, God the Father a million times more so. And he delights in doing so. So, so when we pray according to God's will, he doesn't usually fulfill our requests the first time we ask. Because we see here, he wants this dependence. He wants this continually coming, so wearing him down, so to speak. You know, God doesn't get worn down, but, but wearing him down like the unrighteous judge said, or knocking at his door at midnight until he says, fine, I'll do it. But God, is, he's already willing. He's already disposed to answer your prayers. He just wants you to do that to show your dependence upon him. He's not slow to answer prayers, he says. He just waits until we're knocking at his door at all hours. That's what he's wanting to see. It's not, I knocked once, he said no, or he didn't answer right away, so I'm just going to go home. Well, that's not what the guy did. He wouldn't give up. He wants us to be knocking. He wants us to be knocking at all times. Because when we get to that point, we get to one of the purposes of prayer. Utter dependence. See, prayer, prayer doesn't change God's mind. God doesn't change. Prayer changes our mind. It, it, it changes us to stop trying to uh, rule our lives and make everything happen and have a tight fist and everything. And it says, it instead realizes that, that I'm totally dependent upon God for everything. I need to go to him for whatever the issue is, big or small. That's the recognition that we are dependent upon him. That's what we need to, where we need to be. Now, we've seen we're praying according to the will of God. Jesus taught us to be persistent. But I feel I would be remiss if I didn't give us another biblical teaching on prayer that we need to know. And that is this, that there are things that will hinder our prayers uh, so that God does not answer them, or at least delays in answering them. I think this is really important. The Bible teaches us that there are things we can do that will hinder our prayers. Think about it like this. P provided that we're asking for things that are right to ask for, and provided that we know that it is God's will to answer our prayers with a yes, because he has revealed so in Scripture, and provided that we understand that oftentimes we have to ask many times to show our dependence on the Lord like the persistent widow, like the obnoxious friend. Nevertheless, we may find that there are times when God will not answer our prayers because we have something in our lives that are hindrances to our prayers. There are at least six things that I know of in Scripture that are hindrances to our prayers. The first one is one of the more explicit ones, ones we might remember. first one is unloving behavior from 1 Peter 3, 7, specifically husbands towards wives. He says, You husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with someone weaker, since she is a woman, and show her honor, honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers will not be hindered. So in other words, he's saying, you need to treat your wife well, lovingly, or else your prayers will be hindered, which means obstructed, detained, impeded. Your prayers will be hindered. Another one, another thing that hinders prayers is wrong motivations in prayer. 
James 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives to spend them on your pleasures. Another thing that hinders prayers is not listening to scripture. Proverbs 28.9, he who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So you'll pray but won't listen to his word. If you are harboring unforgiveness in your heart, it's another hindrance. Jesus said, Mark 11, therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you receive them and they will be granted to you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who is in heaven will also forgive you your transgressions. Another one is unconfessed sin, Psalm 66, 16 to 20. Listen to this. He says, come and hear all who fear God and I will tell of what he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. Listen, if I regard wickedness in my heart, the Lord will not hear. But certainly God has heard. He has given heed to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, who has not turned away my prayer, nor his loving kindness from me. So the implication is, had he regarded wickedness in his heart, the Lord wouldn't have heard his prayer. And then, sixthly, doubting that God will give you something that he has willed. There's another hindrance to prayer. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he'll receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So it's quite plain when you look at those six passages that there are things that get in the way of us receiving the things that we are praying for. But we have to ask this question, you have to get this right. Why won't God answer our prayers when we're doing those things? You have to answer that question right. Is it Because he, he must be angry, right? He must be angry with us, right? He must hate us. He must not want to help us. He must not care about us. No, wrong. If that's your answer, get that out of your head. Why won't God answer your prayers when you're sinning in those ways that he has revealed there? Unless the same reason that God does anything for his children. He won't answer your prayers in those cases because he loves you. Now, what do I mean by that? Imagine, for example, illustration here. Imagine your, your son or daughter your son and daughter, excuse me, your son and daughter are playing in the living room and your son smacks your daughter right upside the head. If, if any of these characters resemble persons real or imagined, it's purely coincidental. <laughs> if your son smacks your daughter across the head and you say, son, you need to ask her for forgiveness right away. He says, daddy, 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 you say, no, you need to, Daddy, what? What is it? Can I have some lunch? What do you say? You've got to be kidding me right now. Asking, don't you think you have more important things to worry about right now? Something else to take care of? Think about it for a second, though. Is asking for lunch a bad thing? Is that an evil request? No, of course not. A good father is happy to provide meals for his children. But man, there's something else more important than lunch right now, don't you think? Something else you've got to deal with. Like, I don't know, first, dealing with the fact that you just sinned against your sister. 
I would not give my son lunch at that moment because he needs to learn to take seriously how he's living his life. The things need to change. That's not okay. That behavior is not okay. That's a training moment. That's a, a discipling opportunity. And once he has de- dealt with what he has done to his sister, well, then we can talk about lunch after that. So you see the point? You're treating your wife badly, but you want God to grant your requests. He says, hey, there's something else you've got to deal with first before we get to that. Go treat that woman that I gave you, treat her right, then we can talk about lunch. You're not forgiving somebody? God will allow your conscience to be burdened down with the weight of your own guilt until you find the forgiveness in your heart to forgive another. It's not that he, that he condemns you, but he will discipline you by allowing your conscience to be weighted down by, by guilt. If you perceive that your prayers are not being answered, that, that they're being hindered, like Peter says, that's, a way of, that's God's way of getting him to look at your life. It's loving. He's not, he's not holding back because he hates you. He's saying, hold on, we have other things to deal with that you can't just like look over. Go say sorry to your sister. Then we can talk about lunch. So is there unconfessed sin in your life? That might be a reason your prayers are hindered. Selfish, wrong motives in your prayers. James says that may be a hindrance to you. Ignoring God's word and then using prayer as an excuse. What I mean by that is, well, I'll, I'll just pray about what I should do, even though God has already laid out what you should do. Uh, you're, you're dating that unbeliever? Well, I'll pray about whether I should do that. He said you shouldn't do that. So you can't use that as an excuse that's ignoring the law. Even the prayer is an abomination, Proverbs says. Yeah, if you look at yourself and you see, well, no, these songs are not there. I'm always, I'm, I keep short accounts with God. I repent. I confess my sin. I'm, all that stuff. I don't think there's anything hindering me. Then remember, God wants persistence in your prayer. Your prayers may not be hindered. You just might need to knock on his door more. He wants you to be stubborn in prayer, as we saw earlier. Don't give up. So looking at this passage again, 1 John, as we conclude here, this is the confidence which we have before him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. So in this passage, in our passage this evening, John encourages us to pray with confidence that God will answer every prayer that's according to his will. And we know from all of Scripture that God always answers our prayers for our good. Whether that answer is a yes or a no, it is for your good if you're a believer. And we know that God wants us to be persistent in prayer, to not give up, to cry out to him day and night. And God often will not answer our prayers until we have become more dependent on him. That's one of the purposes of it. And finally, we saw that God will sometimes not answer our prayers in order to get our attention about some sin in our life. That's a a discipline move on God's part. It's a very effective one as well. It's a loving discipline of the Lord that teaches us to be rid of sins that pull us away from God. And think about it that way. God, God wants us to be close to him, and our sins are us going away from him and going to idols. And he says, you need to deal with those things so you can, you'll come back, you'll come closer. Our sins draw us away from him and draw us to other gods, idols, 
God will lovingly teach us to be rid of those sins so that we can have that close relationship that he desires with us. So, so the main point is, just to conclude, God loves us and loves to answer our prayers. So go to him and don't give up. Let's close in prayer. Our Father, we know that you are our loving Father. We know how we have affection for our children. And you say it's, it's not, not even worthy to be compared to your affection for your, your children, to us. Lord, Lord, I pray that we would really believe that. That we would not have a view of you that views you as stingy and unwilling, but one who is willing, more than willing to, to, to grant us the request that we have so long as they are for our good. You'll only give us what is good for us. What a great blessing that is. You are so wise and so perfect and good and loving. Lord, may we rest in that. May we, may we be persistently knocking at your door knowing that it pleases you. That, you. that you smile at that, knowing that we are functioning in a way that we are made to, which is utter dependence upon you. We are not independent. We are totally dependent upon you. Please help us to, sh to live that way and to recognize that fact that we are dependent on you. And we need to be always knocking on your door for everything that's going on in our life and to know that you love us and you are ready to answer us. So I, I pray that you'll encourage us to pray at all times and to not lose heart. Pray that we will be prayer, praying people. I ask this.